Welcome to On the Beat, the weekly podcast for LawOfficer.com. My name is Travis Yates. I'm the editor-in-chief of LawOfficer.com. And this is going to be an incredible episode that you will not want to miss. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, who we wouldn't be here without, and we are sponsored by Blue Armor. Blue Armor is the first supplement company designed for law enforcement, by law enforcement. Blue Armor produces the highest quality supplements on the planet, and they have proven that with their GMP certification. If the GMP symbol is not on your current supplements, then you need Blue Armor. Only the finest for America's heroes. Blue Armor, they are in the pursuit of fitness. And I would encourage you to find out more about this great company at bluearmor.com. That's B-L-U-A-R-M-O-R.com. We wouldn't be promoting it if we weren't also using it. And we've got many great testimonies here in the office about it. And we highly recommend it. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. In today's show, we are featuring retired police officer, police sergeant Thomas Marchese. And Thomas Marchese is the director of a great project coming out called The Fallen Project, which is a documentary about fallen officers. And Thomas is a 14-year law enforcement veteran, and he was retired medically, but he retired as a sergeant. He spent many years as a homicide detective, narcotics investigator, and he was a tactical team leader. He has many years of experience on the streets, uh, and it's an incredible story of how just this street cop decided to make a documentary that is going to impact thousands of lives. Thomas, thank you so much for being with us, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I got to ask you, Thomas, you know, you've got such a diverse career. What made you decide to go into law enforcement? You know, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really, I didn't have any family or anything like that in law enforcement. It was really the, the, the age old, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're a kid and you, you want to be a superhero and, and, catch bad guys and save the world and that's pretty much the that's the closest you can get you know just strapping on that utility belt and and uh yeah it was just uh it, it's all i wanted to do actually since i was a kid well you know I've, i'm trying to kind of go back in time here and i know back in 2011 we here at law officer promoted this project as you were starting out you were trying to look for funding so you were still on the job i believe back then and i've got to think what made you decide you're you're obviously you you're involved in law enforcement you're doing it at a very high level whether it's narcotics or investigating homicides you're in southern california what made you go you know what i think on my spare time i'm gonna produce a documentary did you have like experience in this or what made you decide to go into this <laughs> actually i was a i've been a still photographer for a long time and the the technology kind of crossed with between still photography and cinematography and the the technology just became affordable you know like five or ten years prior to that you would have needed to have a hundred thousand dollar camera to go out and get the same get a you know a cinema quality image and and the the technology just kind of came around and i decided i wanted to make a documentary um and i was trying to figure out i knew i would have wanted to do something cop related and and then we had an incident uh in oakland where um four officers were killed in in one incident or in one day in a related incident and uh it really hit us really hard it was really close to home and and i i decided i wanted to make a documentary on that but it ended up being it was kind of a little bit too fresh and and it had just happened it's really hard you know cops are a real protective bunch and it's hard to um to kind of you know uh expect someone to to go on camera and talk about something like that right after it happened so um, I decided I kind of reassessed what I wanted to do with it, and I just decided to make it a national thing, and then I, it just kind of snowballed from there. 
Now, you had to have had coworkers telling you, what are you doing, Thomas? I mean, you know, you, here you are, you're in the <laughs> middle of your career, and all of a sudden, you're, are you a movie producer or are you a cop? I mean, how did you, obviously, whenever we do anything outside the box, we, we fight the, the folks that try to push us down. How did you sort of overcome some of those negative attitudes out there? You know what was really cool about that is that I think it might have been different if I decided I wanted to go and make an action movie or a thriller or something. But with this subject matter, it's kind of hard for someone to uh, to to knock you down. You know what I mean? It, it, looking at what I wanted to do and the type of film I wanted to make, it, it kind of uh, insulates you from negativity because people automatically, you know, uh, cops anyway, have to go have to respect what that you know what that's about so i actually didn't really you know the brass wasn't excited about it you know because i went in there and told my chief hey i'm going to be flying around the country for the next couple of years and you know they weren't thrilled about that but i did it all on my own time and stuff so yeah i didn't i didn't have too much static so you did it all on your own time you obviously had to raise some money for this i would assume a lot of money came out of your own pocket kind of tell us about uh, how the fundraising went early on early on it was tough because um i was and I gotta, you know, I gotta give a huge thanks to the folks. There's a couple people and a couple entities that did really step up and, and help us out really, really early on because it was really tough not having. I hadn't shot a frame of footage. I hadn't shot anything, and basically, at from the at the very beginning, the supporters had to just kind of trust in what we were going to do, not what we had already done. So, um, I basically cut together a a conceptual trailer with like still photos and and. Uh, interviews from different news stories and things like that just to kind of give someone an idea of what I wanted to do and then I took that around to people and little by little I started raising you know a couple hundred bucks here and there and uh, and then it, it, you know thankfully it started to really take off once I had started to shoot some footage or what, whatnot but I yeah I a lot of my own money went into it but um, eventually we had we had some amazing people step up and from all over the country and it's, it's been pretty incredible. I noticed as part of your team, we'll get to the narrator in a minute, but you've got a producer. You're obviously the director of cinematographer. You have a producer that's in law enforcement, uh, two producers yeah, actually in law enforcement and you, and, uh, obviously a producer, not in law enforcement that has a, a long extended background in movies. How did you come across these folks that would help you? Cause one's in Texas, one's in California and uh, just kind of tell us how you piece together this team that's put together this successful project. Well, the law enforcement related ones were just came from reaching out to people and the contacts I made and this, this folks from other agencies that wanted to get involved and and uh, uh, our one producer from Austin PD who's been really really involved in the movie. He's also got a uh, there's a lot of film production in Austin and he happens to have um, a little side business that has to do with the entertainment business. So he he's he's kind of uh, he kind of walks you know plays in both sandboxes also. So. Um, but that that was a cold contact six six years ago or so. He just I contacted them. He got a hold of me and said, "Hey, I want to be involved." And we're you know lifelong friends now, and and it's it's been pretty amazing. And then the other contact, Brenda Strong, she's been she's been in uh, man, she's been in Hollywood for you know for a long long time. She's been in many many movies, and uh, uh, currently right now she's a you know recurring character on Fear the Walking Dead. She's a villain on Supergirl. She was on. Uh, desperate housewives forever in dallas and she's been all over so that's our real industry connection and uh and how did she come on board married. well she's married to a really good friend of mine who's also a producer on the movie and he's a he's a director producer in hollywood that we we uh we grew up together 
and um, yeah, I'm looking at I'm so looking that, at, I'm looking at these folks on the fallenproject.com now, and they're way too pretty for us, right? I mean, so you've got these <laughs> right. you've got these exactly. Hollywood elites kind of involved in this sort of outside the. Tell yeah. me, you haven't heard that one before, but you got these you got these oh, Hollywood no. I, you elites. You can definitely tell who the cops are. <laughs> yeah, 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 you've got this fine line between the cops involved <laughs> and the Hollywood people involved, and and that has to be a big win for you, right? Because that gives a lot of credibility to the project. Well, absolutely, and that's a big part of uh, of getting the word out there. Is, is we have this message, right? But uh, you know, a lot of people might have a project like this, and it, it it you know they have all the right intention in the world, and it might even be great quality, but it never goes anywhere because there's no names attached to it. So unfortunately, that's how Hollywood works. That's how the public works. That's where you get recognition. So we're really, really lucky to have that connection, and uh, to to help get the message out. So at some point, you get Detective Vic Mackey from The Shield involved. Now, for those of you that don't know who that is, that is Michael Chiklis, right? He's, uh, he also yeah. plays the Marvel character, right? What, what is the character he play there? He, he plays... actually was, he was the thing in, yeah. in Fantastic Four. He... But right now, he's on, uh, he's on Gotham right now. On, on, That's right. He's, he's, he's on... also in the DC universe. He's on Gotham, and he's, it's just crazy. So how did you, I mean, you're a, you're a cop in California. You got a couple of buddies that are cops in Texas and another one in California. How did you get a hold of Michael Chiklis that really is the narrator behind this documentary to really put that behind it? Well, I was lucky there too. I, uh, my, you know, uh, Brent, John and Brendan know him. They, they, they reached out to him and uh, put, brought the project to his attention. And from there on, from then, it was, from there it was just a matter of me selling it to him and, and getting him on board and, and getting him into into doing it and luckily he just really believes in the message you know i mean i can't speak for him but i can tell you that he's told me how you know uh, you know how you know it, it, it politics get injected into this topic way too often and it's it's uh it's not necessary because whether you're conservative or whether you're you're liberal or wherever you fall and all that it, you know cops are getting killed out there and it's just not big enough news period and he just really really believed in the message and luckily um you know he he agreed to do it so I, i'm just trying to work my way through for our audience on how this worked because i'm thinking that here i am a street cop if i was able to reach out to kind of an a hollywood actor like this did, did it take getting in front of him in person uh was this a, a phone call how did how did you finally get him to say yes to this he he had he watched the movie Right. basically he he uh, but when i first contacted him i didn't have everything done yet and i was explaining to him what the project was and we went on, on back and forth and and he was really great really uh into it and uh very curious uh, and and had tons of questions and and uh but but ultimately you know he wanted to watch the movie before he before he signed on officially and so uh once we finished it you know we hired a, a temp actor to do the narration and then uh, we put the thing in front of him, and he didn't bat an eye. He called me up and said, let's do it. That's phenomenal stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it was, it's, it's incredible. It, it really is, Thomas. And I really respect the work that you had to go through to get all of these folks on board. It's one thing to go out here with your camera and shoot some footage and put together something for YouTube, right? It's quite another to put yeah. together a project that has so many facets to it, so many people involved, including Hollywood and cops. And, and I've just got to ask you, you come from a, a photography background. And all of a sudden, you're shooting a, 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 an A-rated, high-level documentary. What, was there a learning curve for you, or was it, did this just come natural for you? Uh, 
both are probably true, but there was definitely a learning curve. And I mean, that's one of the reasons this thing took five years to make is that, is that I, I knew I was going to do it right or I wasn't going to do it. So, uh, you know, a big part of it was, uh, you know, learning, learning what it takes to make a feature film. I mean, I knew how, I knew what it took to make a nice looking image. I knew enough about sound production to make it sound the way it needed to sound. I knew enough about editing to get it there, but putting all those things together into a coherent, engaging story from all over the country. I mean, it was what that was where the learning curve came in because you know putting the thing together was a it was a a, a ridiculous task i mean i and then the responsibility that comes with that you know i mean i went all over the country from from california to georgia to texas to seattle to i mean all over the country and interviewed people and talked to families and talked to you know uh citizens and i talked to command staff and i talked to line officers and loved ones and and widows and and to sit down and put all this thing together into a movie that was going to do the the profession justice that was going to do the families justice and do the fallen officers justice was the most intimidating thing i've ever done in my life but you know i i think we got there and i think we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish and uh I, I can't wait for people to see it. Well, it's incredible. I can tell our audience that you've got to find a way to see it. We'll talk about how they could do that here in a minute. But you obviously, Thomas, had a lot of stories that you could have told. What made you decide to tell the stories that you told? Honestly, it was just most of what's in there is was in there by chance. And what I mean by that is that initially when we started out, not many people knew what we were doing. So finding stories was difficult, right? Because like I said, everyone reacts to this kind of, they respond to this kind of incident differently. Some people need to release and they need to talk about it. Some people don't want to have anything to do with talking about it. So finding the right story where people wanted to talk about it on camera was difficult. And then um, dealing with agencies was difficult, getting clearance, especially from like big agencies, like one in particular that didn't work out was LAPD. We had some things that we were doing with LAPD, but it's such a giant machine that there were parts of LAPD that they were totally into it, parts of the agency that weren't. And so we kind of, one or two stories like that dropped to the wayside. We just weren't able to tell them just because of, uh, you know, uh, logistics. So the stories that did end up in there basically were ones that the agencies and the families and everyone involved were passionate about telling. So um, they, they kind of, those stories kind of chose us through, through the process rather than us choosing them, if that makes sense. It does. You start in t- about 2011, this idea starts percolating. You're asking for funding. Black Lives Matter didn't exist. Uh, the so-called right. ideological war against cops was kind of just getting started. It didn't really exist. It, we weren't, yeah, there, there, weren't right, yeah. there weren't riots in the streets uh, at the time. Uh, Ferguson didn't exist. So all these exactly. events happened while you made the film. Did that? Did you adjust your compass whatsoever based on all these events going on? You know, I we 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 didn't really, to be honest with you, because I wanted to. I, I I believe that all those incidents kind of added to the timing of everything. So I think this thing's getting released exactly when it needed to get released. Yeah. So if I had been able to knock it out and get it out within a year, and it came out in 2012. I think it would have been premature and I, and, and I'm just, I'm really thankful that it's coming out when it's coming out, but we didn't really adjust uh, the message of the film or anything because we didn't want it to be honest with you. 
my 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 take was that I didn't want to risk the the legitimacy of the message by slanting it because I don't think it needs to be slanted. I don't think it needs to be everyone else is wrong, the cops are right, and that's how it is, and this is our message. It it didn't I didn't set out to make the to, to make that statement and I don't believe that's that's the most effective way to do it. All I did was point a camera, uh tell these stories, and I'm just gonna show people that these are human beings because that's the message of the movie. And I think that it's it'll be a, an even stronger message. I, I, I don't think I'm articulating very well what I'm trying to say, but I, I think it'll be a stronger message without taking a political stance because there won't be that knee-jerk reaction from the opposite side, whoever sees it from the opposite side, like, oh, well, wait. You know, that the, they it's automatically like a liberal, for instance, if we took a super conservative stance, would be knee-jerk reaction. Their knee-jerk reaction would be to fight it. Well, you watch this movie, you really don't have anything to combat because it's just fact. It's the real world. It's how it is. And uh, it's just presented to you in a way, to, to people that are outside of law enforcement, it'll be presented them, to them in a way that's going to really open their eyes and they're going to go, wow, I had no idea. And if they don't feel that way, they're, you know, there's there's something wrong with them. No, Thomas, I think you're dead on with that. I think that the movie is coming out at the exact right time. I think you were right in probably being neutral politically. I just can't think of anything more you could have done, and I think the timing is right. It's kind of odd how that always happens. Well, it's not odd. There's not coincidence in this world. So I can't thank you enough. I'm glad it took you five years because I think the timing is now uh, for this incredible project. I know you have a couple of premieres coming up, one in Phoenix and then one in Washington, D.C. And the one in Phoenix is coming up, I believe, in a couple of weeks. Tell us a little bit about the the premiere in Phoenix and, and what folks need to do that are listening to this to maybe go to that. Great. Yeah, the Phoenix, that's going to be at the Phoenix Film Festival, and that's actually our world premiere. It'll be the first place it'll ever uh, screen live in a theater. And uh, that's on April 7th at uh, 7 o'clock p.m. It's, uh, it's in Phoenix. And they're going to be screening the films Friday uh, and Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday are, are midday showings, and uh, the Friday night is the, is the premiere. And you, it can, you can find tickets for that on the website. That's incredible. Uh, attached to this podcast, as you're listening, you can find details of that. But also you can go to fallenproject.com uh, to get that. Now, I know your Washington, D.C. premiere is going to be during Police Week. Kind of tell our audience about that. There will be a lot of them there for that, how they can see it there. Well, that's really exciting. Uh, it's going to be actually right smack on Police Memorial Day on uh, May 15th. Uh, it's going to be at E Street Cinemas in downtown D.C., and we're going to have a, a 7 p.m. showing and a 9 p.m. showing. And uh, the tickets are also on sale for that on, on the website. And that one's really, really exciting because obviously during Police Week, um, we're you know we, we can't wait to, to pack that place and, and with a, with a ton of cops and, and uh, show off the, the movie finally. And it, it's a little bit of a bummer, like Police Memorial Day fell on a strange kind of day this year. It's on Monday, so some of the people are wrapping everything up and leaving Monday, so it's kind of on a on, – but if you're still going to be there in D.C. on Monday night, please please come by and catch the movie. That's great. Are any of these pretty people going to be there besides the cops? Uh, <laughs> that's not – that's unknown. They like oh, to keep their uh, – their schedule is fluid. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, be, but that not, would be cool. Not sure yet. Well, listen, I can't thank you <laughs> enough for talking to us. This is an incredible story that I wanted our audience to hear because I want them to understand, Thomas, that 
you don't have to just be a cop. You can you can literally, if you decide to do something other than that and literally change the dynamics of everything, even change the world, which I believe this documentary has a possibility of literally changing the perceptions of so many people towards our profession. You just decided to go out there and do it uh, with a little bit of money out of your pocket and other people's pockets, a little bit of time, a little bit of airfare. And all of a sudden here you sit with a professional documentary with Hollywood A-list people involved and I can't thank you and your team enough for what you've done here. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I, I really just can't wait to – it's been so long in the making. I just I can't wait for people to see it. So thanks so much. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thomas Marchese, this will not be the last you hear from him. You'll hear us talking about the Fallen documentary many, many times here at Lawster.com. We can't thank you enough for being with us on this week's podcast. You've been listening to On the Beat. My name is Travis Yates, the editor-in-chief of Lawster.com. And you've been listening to Thomas Marchese, the director and founder of The Fallen Documentary. Go check it out, and you will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to On The Beat. Join us daily at lawofficer.com for the latest in news and original content. For law enforcement, by law enforcement.